Sisters podcast with Nicole and John Ellen. So welcome. Welcome to episode one of mm. the Radical Awareness mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. We've done our introduction and this is the official episode one. Um, I'm quite excited. How about you? I'm pretty excited. Uh, yep, sit here and talk with you and we're not... We're going to dive right into it, really, about mm. something that we're very passionate about. And yeah. Yes, absolutely. So the topic of today's podcast is uh, what does it mean to be trauma-informed? And we present our yoga classes, we present our trainings, and we try and present as much of ourselves, our, life. our lives, as we can in a trauma-informed manner. So this has been a journey. And we haven't always been this way because you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, a while back, there was a lot we didn't know. And right now, there's still a lot we don't don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) here we are on this journey. And, um, Nicole, if you'd like to explain to me, um, how do we get to this place? Mm, I would love to. I'd just like to point out that also within our relationship, we are trauma-informed. And... Because really this all comes down to relationships, whether it's with your students or in your job in any way or with your partner or any other people in your life. So trauma-informed, what is it? How did we get here? Um, Well, when I trained in yoga, firstly, I was in India and saw lots of interesting things there, which I'll go into at a different time. Uh, And then I came back and trained under more of an Iyengar style and for those of you who know uh, an Iyengar style of yoga it's a little bit more strict at times a very beautiful practice and I loved my training uh, but I definitely wouldn't call it trauma-informed by any means and that's not to downgrade its potency or you know the love for the practice it's more that in a way it becomes exclusive because you've got to fit into a, a certain idea or even dare I say dogma um, of a specific way of doing something and I don't actually think there's anything wrong with that and I think the way it has come out of India and landed in the west was just as a set of practices for more of our our spiritual growth and understanding and it was a choice to go in and train like that but I do think that where we are now uh, in like the world that having a little bit more openness and inclusion tends to be a better way forward to kind of see more positive change So for myself, after teaching in this more Iyengar or just more of a strict, I guess, direct way of this is how it poses, this is how we're going to do this, or this is exactly what we're doing right now, and then hold here until I say stop holding, Um, I just started to notice that it doesn't really work for a room of people because everybody turns up, one, with obviously quite different physical bodies, but two, they turn up with very different stories. And... I didn't really know back then that what I was looking at was trauma and looking at people's trauma patterns, which actually manifest in the physical body and in what they're sort of radiating off of them and facial expressions and ways that they try and keep themselves safe or, or hidden or exposed in all these different ways. So I yeah spent several years just kind of observing and watching and not really knowing what I was observing but that something didn't feel right. And I wanted a space, I wanted a practice, I wanted a a studio and and trainings that 
could include people that could kind of pick everybody up that there was a sense of community and connection and togetherness that felt good for everybody involved and in the initial years and even the first sort of years of our trainings that wasn't happening it was like it didn't um it wasn't quite as cohesive yes cohesive Mm. it didn't hold all the bodies the personalities um and then it made me reflect on myself i think ourselves Mm, absolutely and who we are and so then our expectation is related to us um and that's not good (laughs) so started doing a little bit more research reading some books as you do uh very much the book that john has mentioned in our last episode which is the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk is an amazing and very essential read i would say and it definitely helped me understand what i was seeing and what i knew in my heart and also led me well us on this beautiful journey of what is known as trauma informed yoga or trauma sensitive yoga and that is actually through the work of you better say it of Bessel van der Kolk of the trauma oh, center the trauma center <laughs> trauma sensitive Yoga. Yeah, Trauma yeah. Center, Trauma Sensitive Yoga, or TCTSY, um, out of the States, out of America. Um, and the wonderful work that we managed to find a training and a trainer when, you know, when the world was still open, you could travel overseas. We, <laughs> we managed to find ourselves a trainer in Australia and got there and trained with her. And it was a, a fantastic experience to see how much care, consideration, and thought had gone into the entire structure. And it brought us to this point where we considered and then extrapolated out from the idea of a yoga class into everything. Like, why would you not want to do this everywhere? Why would you not want to give people choice back? Why would you not want to give people options? Why would you, why would you not do that? Mm. Absolutely. And it was uh, trauma-informed yoga in this place is all about invitation and choice and the ability to come back to our own freedom, but really our own autonomy, our own bodies and knowing how we are allowed to choose things that feel right for us and that everything is actually an invitation. And just like what John's saying, this goes way beyond the yoga mat, but it is a beautiful place to learn this from the inside out that we're allowed to have a lot more choice and freedom than maybe our life experiences have led us to believe. And for a lot of us, even if you haven't experienced really hectic trauma, and some of you have, and I commend you on walking your path with such integrity, um, we as young people in the way that our current societal structures are set up do not encourage choice, freedom, or any sense of invitation in fact you know as children we're just kind of prodded and poked and seen as like a little weird cute machine and then we get into the education system where we're just being compared and ranked off each other and told what to do every minute of the day there's a lot of hectic micromanaging that happens and that is not educating an autonomous human being how to have their choice which also means it's not teaching a human how to have consent And it's especially not teaching a human how to understand or have informed consent. It seems the the basic number one lesson of the schooling system, the education system, is compliance. How can you comply? Will you 
repeat exactly what I said in this exact way. If you do, you'll get the highest mark. If you try and change it and make it yours, I mean, that's kind of cute, but we're not going to give you the best mark. You're probably going to fail. You should have done it like this. You're supposed to color that circle in blue. And stay in the lines there, Jimmy. Mm. Stay in the lines. Compliance, compliance, compliance. (laughs) And not to say that there aren't magical schools out there and magical teachers, because I think in all these places, there are so many incredible humans doing incredible things. My beef ain't with the humans. (laughs) It is with the structures and the systems that are there. The foundation that underlies a lot of this does not invite uh, choice, freedom or invitation. So having that experience myself, which now I'm very grateful for uh, in my own schooling um, experiences and talking to many other people through the work that we do and noticing that a lot of people don't feel like they actually have any choice and Mm. aren't even aware that they feel like that. It's so ingrained. So it was like, wow, bringing this into a yoga class, what can it do? And initially you feel, well, I, I can say we, felt a little bit stupid because you're sort of saying, maybe you might like to step your foot back. And it can, it can sort of sound like, well, that's going to be confusing or what's the point? Just tell them, you know, we're all here. Let's get on with it. But in fact, we are so much more sensitive and magical and complex than these simple machines that mainstream science would have us um, believe that we are a simple machine. And I don't mean to break this to you, but we're not. And our consciousness is very complex and our emotions are curious and interesting. Mm. And there is more to us than just having someone else tell us what to do amazingly. So we started to introduce this language slowly. And let me tell you, it is a whole massive overhaul of letting go of everything we were doing to then retrain ourselves to actually give ourselves choice and freedom back, which is a really wonderful thing that's also happened as a byproduct. Mm. But um, yeah, adding it into classes and bringing it into our trainings and starting to educate in this way of what if we brought choice back and it has just taken on a life of its own. It is amazing to witness someone coming back to their own choice and autonomy and saying, wow, I really like that I could choose because I actually always did this variation, but I was in a lot of pain or I just didn't feel comfortable or I didn't like it. And now I have the freedom to explore in a way that feels right for me and my body. And it might take a little while to get there because these things don't happen straight away when we're holding all of this, this trauma, but these stories in our physical body, it is, it is worked out through the physical body, which is why I think trauma-informed language and and actions are such an amazing um, thing to do in any type of movement classes or experience Mm. because you're working directly with the body and and really in any type of education Mm. at all Mm -hmm. there's so much potential to to offer so much more freedom and we we at this current time the education system is toying with things like open learning environments and and collaborative learning and all of these ideas of like trying to shake up the system but basically the teacher's job is simply to instill a love for learning that's it full stop that's all you need to do as a teacher if you can instill a love for learning then the student will fly by themselves you don't have to micromanage their every single moment you don't have to micromanage their experience you don't have to do hardly anything at all except when they come to you and go 
what do I do now? What are my choices? And then you go, here's your choices. And so continuing to offer someone choice is your role as the teacher. And knowing that it's okay for someone to fail. It's okay for someone to make a quote unquote bad decision. Not that I believe there's ever such thing. That they need that as part of their learning. And we're robbing so many of our children, so many of our students, so many people of the ability to learn because we're robbing them of the ability to fail. Mm, yes. Oh, love it. It is. And it comes from, I would say, us as individuals not recognizing our own pain and trauma, not actually giving ourselves choice and then needing to control others because we can't control our internal landscapes. And that is a whole nother big conversation that we will be having. But it is very, very valuable um, to look at our own patterns and our own hurt and discover how it is actually affecting the way we interact in all of our relationships and our work. And we're all teachers, no matter if it is your structured day job or not. We generally all have a relationship. We all, we're generally all given advice to someone. And in that way, we become a teacher. And how often, even with our friends or our family, do we see them doing something and instantly we want to take the choice away. We just want to tell them what to do because that's right. Or perceives to be safe. Yes. Our perception of safety, not, not their perception, not their experience, sorry, of being able to grow and learn, but we want, we want us to feel safe and we're gripping. And this all comes from fear. This all comes from fear. And so trauma-informed is about saying, great, we tried fear, right? The freaking world's tried fear for millennia and <laughs> it's not really going that well. And so what if we were like, hey, let's try love, mm. try love. Trauma-informed, whether it's teaching or actually living, is choosing love first, right? It's saying, I'm going to put my love foot forward first <laughs> yeah. and not only offer myself choice and freedom, but offer that to everybody else in every other way that I can. And sometimes what that is, is just listening with openness. Because as soon as you've got an idea, you've got a limitation of someone, even just in your, you're just holding that in your mind or your heart, you're then giving that to them where they're like, oh, I can't fully express. They don't even know they're not fully, fully expressing because it's not safe, because choice actually isn't there. And this is probably more common in the, the parent to child relationship or especially younger people where there is the authority. But if we're never allowed to question authority or just question, just question full stop, <laughs> and we're not allowed to critically think, then we forget that there is a choice. We forget we're allowed to have a voice. And this is the most destructive thing that happens to human beings because we are, we're so um, adaptive when we arrive here on earth because we're social beings and we need connection for our well-being. And so we adapt in this way of like, oh, okay, you don't want me to be me. You don't want me to have a voice and that's how I survive. Cool, I'll turn that off real mm. early on. So we are trying to flip the switch the other way and say, what if we ignited all of that stuff you came here with? What about if we allowed you to know yourself from the inside out, have your discernment back, have your choice back, have your freedom back, which will lead to your full expression and authenticity in every aspect of your life. So. 
I think that's very much what trauma-informed teaching and living is about. Yes, and this is not simply something we've um, kind of conjured up. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is like sits on the foundation of a lot of research, a lot of um, quantitative data. Mm not qualitative this is not about statistics this is about interviewing people listening to people very much trying to understand why they're struggling in their lives and what it seemed to boil down to to the people these wonderful researchers these pioneers uh, david emerson vessel van der Kolk, and the the elizabeth hopper and the setting up of this trauma center christine weather oh our wonderful, wonderful we teacher. We love you, Christine. Mm. That these moments of, of connecting with these people and trying to understand why they're struggling and how they're struggling came to this basic conclusion is that trauma was choice being taken away. And I've said this already, but it's worth repeating. Always. Yes. <laughs> and that coming back or healing from the trauma is... Sometimes baby steps, sometimes big steps, or just a, a gentle kind of encouragement of being able to make choices again, being able to value yourself enough to know that you're worth making a choice, mm. that you're worth spending some time considering what's right for you so that you can make the choice that works for you. And to quote Christine Weber, you know, she she says in one of her wonderful courses um, and we've actually quoted her numerous times on this and we love to to say this but basically it goes and i'm probably going to quote it wrong now that i've given it so much <laughs> you get the gist of it if you don't know who you are you don't know what to do and knowing who you are is very much an embodied process not a cognitive process you're try not trying to think your way in you're trying to feel and sense your way in so that you get the messages from the body. And if trauma stores in the body, we need to start listening to the body to help to heal from these traumas, whatever they might be from, whether they would be considered, and I'm reluctant to put them on a scale, but whether they're considered small or minor traumas or major traumas or shock traumas, but any of those situations where choice was taken away require some level of awareness and acknowledgement to begin to heal. And giving choice back is maybe the first step, maybe the only step required. Mm. And I think, yeah, it's to understand that it's not as it's not a cognitive process. It's not just thinking your way through it, like John mentioned. Because when there's this idea of choice being taken away from a really young age and we could sit there and argue, oh, what we need it, this is how we keep children safe. Again, that is a different discussion because that also isn't entirely true in our most humble opinion. Mm -hmm. But the choice being taken away means that you've been taken away from your own body, that you basically don't exist in your body anymore as the um, hero of your own story. It's that somebody mm -hmm. else kind of is in control of your body, whether that's a parent or the doctor or the teacher, they're telling you, you know, wh when to go, when to stop, what's good, what's bad. These ideas of what we should eat, when we should eat, how we should sleep. All of these things that have been told to us from an outside external source, rather than from our internal source, which actually arrived here 
on earth that is with all this information sometimes it's a joke like i wish we had a manual for life and i would go as far to say we do have a manual for life it's just inside not outside and any kind of trauma and having our choice taken away means that we feel like we don't have access to that manual anymore and so this kind of slow and loving and patient process of whether it's trauma-informed teaching or living is starting to reconnect you back into the self and back into that kind of life manual. So when something comes along and you're like, ah, I, I know how to make this decision for myself because I understand and I translate the messages and sensations my body is experiencing and I know what that is because some of them <laughs> are very complex and you'll actually be in a lot of times reading them backwards or upside down and that's because of other things that have happened but um this process if you're slow and loving and patient with yourself really connects you back in and you know life was designed to be magical to be filled with joy to be light to be exciting to be a playground but how many of us currently every are day, saying that every yeah. day it wasn't meant to be like well i had a two-year period where i was depressed that's not the what life has to be. I'm not saying it's that there aren't people who experience it. They do. My heart goes out to anybody who, who experiences this much suffering in their, in their life. What we are saying is that there's so much hope and so many other ways of coming home to yourself to not have to live with that much pain, let's say. And to clarify, I'm not referring to bad things not happening. This isn't some sort of weird miracle you escape the human experience. <laughs> it's more you know how to be in the human experience fully to navigate through whatever comes your way. And trauma-informed living, and if we lived in a trauma-informed world that, you know, is our big goal to see, uh, all of us will, I mean, the planet would look completely different. There would be not much the same, really. The trees and the flowers would still be here. The birds would still sing, but a lot of our, our structures and institutions would look very, very different if we actually consider this idea of, of trauma-informed, of inclusion, of everybody has something authentic to express, of choice at every opportunity, of invitation to everything in our lives, to the option that if you're in a job and you need to nap at 2 p.m., you should be able to go and nap, right? That's your choice. You're a human. Why is another human being telling you that you can't have one of your basic needs met? That's fucked up. And the confusing situation where all of a sudden we're like celebrating companies who've created this concept called flexible working hours. Like how outrageous is it that we think that's a good thing? As if that shouldn't be a thing everywhere. That is the, the most necessary thing for everyone no human wants to work well nine to five every single day for the rest of their life except on the weekends the flexibility is heavily heavily necessary for us to live a life of joy if we are stuck in the scheduling system that means we have no ability to follow our own excitement then we have no ability to get to the joy that we're seeking. And instead of, I mean, the, the wonderful quote that says, why are you constantly looking to the, to the future, to the next holiday, to the weekend? Why don't you create a 
a life that you could enjoy the whole time. Mm. Mm. Side note, we enjoy our life the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Just to put into context that doesn't mean things don't happen, but we've really started to walk this in the last few years and it's so rewarding and amazing and amazing to see the other people in our lives and who we attract and how they also open up to this idea of, of trauma-informed living and teaching and experiencing. It's it's a really magical gift, really. And there's more and more that's happening all over the world where people are talking about this and uh, there's just been the big, uh, beautiful documentary, Wisdom of Trauma, by Dr. Gabo Mate, and it's absolutely amazing and essential. And he also talks about a trauma-informed world and it just fills our hearts because it's this work of these people that have let us allowed us to get to this point as well and be looking at the world in a different way and I know for myself that it just it just resonates it wasn't like oh this is a hard sell or what do they mean by this I was like this is what I've been looking for my entire life and coming home to ourselves because we also give ourselves the permission to say I'm allowed to come home to myself now Mm. and it is all very much an embodied uh, journey and also just to say it's an exciting journey this doesn't have to be super daunting or scary it's more considering your life where your choice has been taken away and it's never too late there's no age limit no there's no you can start now whatever age you are whether you're eight or 88 you know or 98 or 108 Mm. you uh you have the right you are worthy of this exploration you're you're worthy of coming home to yourself of of really getting to know yourself from the inside out. It's real cool, mm. I think. Um, yeah, there's many topics on this that we could talk on in much more detail, which we will be doing in upcoming episodes. But this is more, I guess, like a little snippet or intro into what trauma-informed is. And when we're talking about it, it's trauma-informed teaching or living is really giving back choice, invitation, and freedom and can be done through our languaging our actions and just the way we actually partake in our own lives so yeah anything else you want to add i think that's a great summary um again you know if you'd love to uh keep this podcast alive then feel free to click that subscribe button wherever it might be on whatever platform you're listening on and we will be making more and more of these episodes the more and more of you that uh show up yeah cool all right also because it's quite fun for us (laughs) it really is we're into it i mean it's day two and it's episode two it is (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you again for listening and uh sticking it out to the end once again um you're all wonderful people and i have no doubt about that So enjoy the rest of your day and we'll enjoy the rest of ours. Mm. We love you. Mm. Goodbye. The Radical Awareness Podcast.